Today's scripture reading will be from Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. And our teaching today is on verse 18, but we will read the entire section. In our Pew Bibles, this is on page 979. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all of the saints. This is the word of the Lord. For the past few months, we've been looking at this topic of spiritual warfare and, and the armor provided us by God. And this armor tends to be defensive in nature. And along with this armor, uh, God has provided us a couple of, of weapons to be able to stand firm against the evil one. And one of those weapons is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. We looked at that a couple weeks ago, Ephesians six seventeen. The other is what we'll be looking at this morning, which is prayer. We're going to focus mostly on verse 18. And it reads, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. I don't think I need to mention this, but prayer is essential in spiritual warfare. And Paul models this praying for us. We can take a look back at Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 15. For this reason, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the work of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places." far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And he continues on in another prayer in Ephesians chapter 3, starting in verse 14. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend all the saints, what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And you'll notice how different Paul's prayers are in Ephesians chapter 1 and in chapter 3, 
from our own prayers. Our our prayers, they often tend to be very self-focused. We tend to be preoccupied with our wants and our desires and our circumstances and what we're going through. Paul's prayers here focus on the kingdom of God. Very little mention of himself. Now, of course, we pray about our circumstances and the things about ourselves. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. However, in spiritual warfare, there needs to be this spiritual prayerfulness that is more than praying for one's self. That the prayer needs to be spiritual in nature towards a, a battle and it needs to be more comprehensive and that it's something that's needed by everyone and that our prayers are to span to other people. And take a closer look at verse 18 and you'll notice this word all. It's used four times in this one verse. Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end Keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. So praying all the time, praying at all times. Now why pray at all times? Well, this enemy that we have is unrelenting and is attacking at all times. He will not let up. And so we are encouraged here to pray for others and and have others pray for us at all times. And then the next all statement is with all prayer. So pray with all kinds of prayers and all kinds of requests, learning to pray in all different situations, all different circumstances, praying privately, publicly, structured prayers, informal, casual prayers, praying while you're walking, praying while you're sitting and lying down, praying while you're standing or kneeling, praying out loud, praying quietly, praying when you're sad, when you're happy, short prayers, long prayers, just Pray all the time with all prayers. Matthew chapter 12, verse 34, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Then we look at this third phrase here. It says, with all perseverance. Keep alert with all perseverance. In other words, don't be careless with these prayers that we have. Jesus told the disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane, Matthew chapter 26, verse 41, Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. And Paul said this to the Ephesian elders that Luke recorded for us in Acts chapter 20, starting in verse 29. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert. Remembering that for three years that I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. We're told to be alert. And this is really important in perseverance. We need to be alert in spiritual warfare. Sometimes we're not persevering because it takes too long. And we, we want our results more quickly. But our en- enemy is really, really crafty. He'll outweigh us. He'll do things so that you can go ahead and just kind of lay low and think that nothing's happening, and then he'll pounce. And Luke records what Jesus did in Luke chapter 18, verse 1. 
and he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. Now, why did Jesus tell this parable? Because people didn't always pray, and they did lose heart. So he tells this parable, and sometimes we pray and, and we give up on our prayers because we're not experiencing, we're not seeing the results, and we don't know if our prayers are doing anything. And I think all of us can relate to David when he wrote Psalm chapter 13, especially when we're experiencing injustice or violence or things that we just don't see as, as right. And David wrote this, How long, Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? So we're told to persevere. And in order to persevere, our perseverance needs to sink deep into our knowledge of who God is and God's love for us. We need to know who God is in order to persevere. Now, perseverance, that, that waiting in prayer, when it comes to fruition, there's a greater sense of truth and faith because of the wait. I don't know if you've noticed these things that, you know, you've you worked so hard and, and you've waited so long, and then when you finally get it, then it's that much more rewarding. Right? And, and, and it builds that way. And, and the last all, all the saints, supplication for all the saints, you know, it's natural for us to pray for ourselves. It's natural for us to pray for people that we're closest to. But it's all the saints. To pray beyond our own self-interest. To have a broader view, a God-centered view, to, to seek God's plans for all of the saints and not just us. And it's something that I appreciate about our church and that we, we allow for this sharing and so the nest is sharing and, and so for us to kind of look beyond just like what happens here but to look globally, to look at these girls that are needing the gospel and needing the help and to look at God's promises in the light of the world and not just our little church here. Revelation chapter 7, starting in verse 9. After this, I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. To see a more broad perspective of what God is doing and in order for this, we, we do need to read his word. We do need to ask him. We do need these two forms of weaponry that he has given us, the word of God and prayer, to receive this. And this morning's message is not going to be able to cover everything in regards to prayer. There are many books on prayer. We can do a number of sermon series on prayer. There's a lot of prayer or about prayer that is just really, really mysterious. And there are a lot of questions about prayer. Like, for example, like, why pray? Since God is all-knowing, all-powerful, all-loving, all-over, why pray? Like, he already knows everything. right? And since God has laid out for us prophetically what will happen in the Bible, why pray? Because 
it's not like we can change his mind. What difference do our prayers make? And those are good questions. Now, one of the challenges that we have when thinking about prayer is that we insert our own thinking into how God does things. So, for example, how we change our minds. That, you know, a few years later, we look and in our past and we're like, you know, I could have done things differently. I, I could have done them better. And that's just not how God works because God doesn't make bad decisions. God doesn't make wrong decisions. And so God doesn't change. Take a look at Numbers chapter 23, starting in verse 19. God is not man that he should lie, or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not fulfill it? See, God doesn't change his mind. The promises God makes, he, he keeps. God says what he will do. So then why do we pray? Why do we prayerfully intercede for other people if God doesn't change his mind? See, our prayers are not to change God's mind. It's that we are brought to a better understanding of who God is. To better understand the heart of God. To better understand that God does not just want us concerned about outcomes that God also wants us to better understand the journey, the process. And he invites us into this process, into this journey, through prayer. Now take a look at Genesis chapter 18. This is where Abraham intercedes on behalf of Sodom and Gomorrah. God already knows he's going to execute this righteous judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham's prayers didn't change God's mind. So why does Abraham pray? And what did Abraham pray? Well, a little bit of background on this story. Sodom and Gomorrah is a very sinful place. And so God is going to execute this judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham wants God to spare the city. And so he starts this negotiating with God. And he says, God, if there are just 50 righteous people in there, Will you spare the city? And that's Genesis chapter 18, verse 24. God agrees. If there are 50, I'll spare the city. He further negotiates. And he goes from 50 to 45 to 40 to 30 to 20 to 10. He's pretty good. Abraham's pretty good at this. God's mind has not changed this entire time. God's righteous judgment didn't change. What changed? Abraham's understanding of God's compassion changed. To know that God wasn't just judging them just for the sake or on a whim or just like upset or whatever. That God had thoroughly already processed, already thought through. You know, if there was 50, if there was 10 in this entire city, I'd spare it. And Abraham needed to get into that understanding of God's heart and where God's heart was already there. And it wasn't that Abraham was such a great guy to be able to negotiate God down from 50 to 10. It was that God is already great. God is already at a place of compassion and grace and mercy. And Abraham needed to catch up to that. 
See, God already knows the outcomes and the process. And by prayer, we are invited into that understanding of God more deeply. And sometimes that's just really mysterious because we can't see it. We don't understand it. We don't see that far ahead. And how we understand things today isn't completely clear to us in the future, but there will come a day when we do understand fully. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. And so, yes, there are aspects of prayer that are very mysterious. But that's why we're invited to pray. To see those things. And we don't completely get what prayer is about, but we're still told to do it. And this is a spiritual discipline of prayer, is that it allows us to exercise faith. Because that's what it is, isn't it? It's not tangible all the time. You don't see it all the time. And yet, it helps us to exercise faith. Prayer is definitely a faith exercise. And we're given this about faith in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. And it's not just any God, small g. It's the God of the Bible. It's the God written about in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, where it reads, For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Jesus Christ. Pleasing God, being heard by God, is only through Jesus Christ. And a manifestation of a person's faith in Jesus Christ is that they pray. Is that we pray. And a couple of these manifestations of this Spiritual weaponry is first that sword, the, the, the word of God, God communicating to us through his word. And then the second is prayer, us communicating with God and having this dynamic relationship with God. Do you and I even know what we have in Jesus Christ? Have we thought this through in that we have access to a God who's all-knowing, all-powerful? all-loving, omnipresent, everywhere, anywhere, anytime, that you and I can talk to God whenever we want. We can hear from God through his word and through prayer, and this is what Jesus did. Mark chapter 1, verse 35, And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Now, why would Jesus pray? That's an interesting question. Why would Jesus pray if he knew the outcomes of Jesus' promises and he knew the process in which all of this was to happen, namely the cross and the tomb, and Jesus did all of that for us. He died on the cross for us. He resurrected from the dead for us. He modeled prayer for us. He made God known to us. This is why John chapter 17, verse 26 I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known, that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. So why would Jesus pray in Luke chapter 22, verse 42, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. To show 
that God is present in our time of need, whether it is in the, the middle of our immediate needs or whether it's something more mysterious. That God is always a present help in time of need. And even as Jesus prayed, how much it should remind us that we need to pray. Why did Jesus pray? Hebrews chapter 5, starting in verse 7. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered, and being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him, being designated by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. So what are we to do? Back to verse 18. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayers and supplications, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. The only way to pray is in the Spirit. Meaning that it is only when we receive the Holy Spirit can we pray to God, can we worship God. Now listen to Romans chapter 8. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemns sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. For it does not submit to God's laws. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. We are God's children. We can communicate with our Father anytime, anywhere, through the Spirit. And without the Spirit, there are no means of communication. You're able to talk and listen, but there's no channel for the communication. It's Father's Day. 
I have four children. They're the only kids with my phone number. Right? Their, their friends don't have it. No, no one else has it. Only my kids. Those are the only four kids that have my number. Therefore, they're the only ones that can call me for help, for encouragement, to share with me their bad things, their good things. And they know me, their father, that when they call, I pick up. No matter when. Like even now, if the phone rings and I see it, because they know, okay, dad's teaching, dad's preaching. But if they call, I know it's an emergency. Otherwise, they wouldn't call. So they can call me anytime and I, I will pick up. No matter what I'm doing, I'm going to pick up. Immediately. And they're communicating with someone that they know loves them like nobody else loves them. That will drop everything. That will sacrifice everything to address them. Just like you fathers who love your children like nobody else does. They have your number. No other kid does or no other kid will have access to you like your own child does. See, this is our Heavenly Father with His love for His children. This is us praying to God. You have direct access immediately. Others don't that aren't His children. But you as His children, you have access immediately. And there is no means of communicating with God the Father without the Spirit. See, you don't have his number without the Spirit. You have to have the Spirit of God in order to communicate with God. You being adopted into the family of God is the grounds of prayer and the foundation for communicating with God. An unbeliever praying to God will not address God as Father. Right? Have you ever heard that? Usually they say things like, God, if you are real, then blah, blah, blah. They don't say, Dad, if you're real. They, they never say that. In fact, if you look at other religions, who addresses even Judaism? Because this is something that was pointed out with Jesus. Like, he addresses God as Father? What other religion addresses God as Father, Abba, Dad, Daddy? There is no other religion that does that. It's Christianity that addresses God as Father. You see, only a child of the Father refers to God as Father. Now, us earthly dads, we know that we are imperfect. Even though there's a day that honors us where we really don't deserve it, I don't think. But even as scummy as we are, Take a look at Matthew chapter 7, verse 11. If you then, who are evil, I agree, know how to give good gifts to your children, which we do, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to you who ask Him? See, one of the evidences that you are a child of God is that you pray. 
So how is your prayer life? How often are you talking to your father? And is it in the spirit? You know, it's curious. When my dad taught me how to pray, because he taught me how to pray when I was really young, and there is hope for you who are estranged from your fathers because I was estranged from my dad for eight and a half years before we reconciled. And if you want to talk about that, I'm more than happy to talk about this miracle that happened in my life. But when I was really young, my dad taught me how to pray. He taught me about praising God and adoring God. He talked, he talked about me confessing my sins to God. He talked about me thanking God and, and doing prayers of supplication and interceding for people. And then he said, and you end your prayer with, in Jesus' name. And I always thought like, oh, cool, in Jesus' name. So does that mean like that's the magical last phrase to make sure, like, make sure this gets delivered, like, like in Jesus' name. And I remember as a young kid, I'd pray all the time, in Jesus' name, Jesus' name, Jesus' name, do this in Jesus' name, right? And like, like thinking that it's some sort of formality or formula to ensure that like I get my prayers answered or it's some sort of like shortcut or hack to make sure that I get my prayers answered. But in further study as I got older and wasn't just trying to manipulate God to get me like an Atari because that's how old I am. In Jesus' name is essentially saying to be in the Spirit. To be in the Spirit. It's, it's this prayerful declaration of trusting Jesus Christ's saving work on the cross and from the grave as the only way that we have access to God in Jesus' name. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name. We pray, Lord, for the nest. We pray for all the saints. Knowing, Lord, that you have a greater kingdom work and so often we're so focused on what we're dealing with and what we want and our situation and our circumstances, which you dearly care about as you share with us in Philippians 4, 6 that we are to pray about everything. And yet, Lord, may we not lose sight of the greater kingdom work and knowing who we have access to and not just asking for these small things like an Atari. But Lord, that there are these greater things happening all over the world. And we want to be in line with it, even though you already know the outcomes, you already know the best of the situations. And even when we look at it, it, it doesn't seem the best at all. It seems really terrible. And yet, God, you don't make mistakes. You're not wrong. And so, God, would you guide us in this process and this journey to be able to understand you more, to be able to see your compassion, mercy, grace, love more? Because you've arranged these things already and, and sometimes we just have these questions thinking that we know better, which is the original sin. To think that we know the difference between good and evil. To have that crafty serpent, the evil one, always put in our heads that question, did he really say? When our weaponry is the word of God. That is our sword of the Spirit. When our weaponry is prayer, 
communicating directly to you and not having this voice, having us question and doubt you. And so I pray, Lord, for your spirit to empower your church and your people, your saints, to go about your work, to declare your gospel, that you took upon our unrighteousness upon yourself to save us. In Jesus' name, amen. At this time, if you have your communion elements, let's take this out and let's celebrate communion with each other. If you don't have that, just hold up your hand and we can get those elements to you. The sacrament we do every week in remembrance of what our Lord did for us in celebration of what he did for us, even though so tragic. But this wafer symbolizing the body of Christ broken for us. Let's take this together. And the fruit of the vine symbolizing the blood of Christ shed for us. He instructs us to do this sacrament until his return. And we look forward to his return. Let's take this together. Lord Jesus, thank you for these symbols, these reminders for us every week of what you did for us. And we know that any promise you make, you don't break. And so we look so forward, Lord, for you coming back, making all things right. In Jesus' name, amen.